0: You're listening to Theology and Apologetics with Thomas Fretwell, bringing theology to life.
1: So definitely a lot to think about. And um, yeah, hope you guys all enjoyed it. And we'll now move on to a Q&A. So thank you so much to everyone who's already submitted questions. And please do continue submitting questions or, you know, submit a question for the first time if you'd like to. So there's a link to an anonymous submission form in the event bio. And we'll just wait a quick couple of minutes for any more questions to come through or anyone to submit a question. Don't be shy. So we've got quite a few questions coming in. So quite a big question to start with. So, Tommy, isn't Christianity just a psychological crutch for people? Some people find satisfaction in material wealth and some people can't, so they find it in God.
0: Yeah, I hear that question a lot when I'm engaging with people. But unfortunately, I just don't think that it can be applied consistently to every situation. So I don't believe the explanatory power of that as a solution It's not conclusive to disprove Christianity or to show that everyone is going there because of some sort of need for a psychological crutch. To use C.S. Lewis as an example, he, he describes himself as the most reluctant convert in all of England. He wasn't going there to try and find meaning or all these. He went there because he was convinced that it actually was the truth. And he was actually, as he described it, dragged into the kingdom kicking and streaming because he was part of the academic establishment and he was an atheist at that time. So whilst some people may come to religion searching for these existential fulfillments, that is not the the center of Christianity. and And therefore, it doesn't actually mean just because someone gets that, that that is all Christianity is. I mean, I do appreciate the question, but it doesn't apply to every situation. There are many people who have gone there based on studying the evidence, looking at the person of Jesus Christ and actually accepting. Hang on. This is true. And when you come to that position, you actually start to look at the world through the lens of Christianity and you see just the great uh, explanatory power that the biblical worldview actually has. And I would also just add that, yes, many people do find uh, satisfaction to a degree in riches, in partying and doing all the things uh, that they do. But as we've seen in this last year, all of those things can be taken away. And Christianity addresses more than just temporal fulfillment and enjoyment. It actually posits that this is not all that there is. There will be an existence past this and a destination past this. And therefore, it addresses both the, the existential cries of the heart, but also the need for truth and for future and for destiny. I understand it's hard to do justice to a question like that in, in a short time. But there are a few of the things that I probably just raise in response to that.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much that's awesome so next next question what kind of questions can we ask ourselves and what kind of steps can we take to help us to think more about these issues and to point us to god
0: so now i would say one of the best things you can do is actually have a look at your life and and see where it is you're spending most of your time and obviously i know i'm talking to students of course a huge amount of your time is spent in your studies and that's brilliant but i'm talking further than that when you ask yourself what is the meaning of life where do you go to to find those questions? What do, what do you think or do you not even think about those questions at all? And then as you look around in the world and you see the things happening, uh, where do you go to make sensitive? How do we interpret the world basically? Everyone has a worldview. Even if you don't know you have a worldview, you are either absorbing someone else's worldview or interpreting the world through things that you've heard. And I would just ask you to challenge that to test it, to ask the questions, Oh, that's interesting. What's the evidence for that? Where does that come from? Why do I think like this? Almost like critical thinking as something that we want to encourage in, in people to look at ideas. We don't need to be scared of other people's ideas. We just need to engage them, to understand them, to look at them. And I would say, take a fresh look at Christianity, remove all the baggage that you read about Christianity on social media or through the political spectrum, as you might see it being uh, shown to us on the TV. And take a long, hard look at the person of Jesus Christ in the Gospels and the way he spoke into the issues of life. And you'll find that he addresses your heart directly, but he doesn't just address the heart. He also addresses the mind. And this is why he actually commands the Christian believer to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, but also all of your mind. And this shows us that Christianity is is a fulfilling worldview that addresses all aspects of life. It has logical consistency, it has empirical adequacy, but it also has existential relevancy that it answers the cries of the heart, it answers the need for truth, and it gives us a direction and a goal and a purpose for the future. All of these things that we we come across in our lives, as you're going out to get a job, as you're going to get married, and all these big life decisions, they make us think of the future. Through COVID-19, we've been made to think about death a lot more maybe than we would have done previously. These are all opportunities to have these conversations, to have these thoughts, and to make sure that we're not too busy with the hustle and bustle of life, that we don't ever think about these things.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. So we've got another question. Um, Can we change ourselves to prevent us from becoming depressed or is it just a passive process to let God change our heart through his son?
0: Yeah, so that I mean, that's a a really interesting question. And, you know, depression is a massive issue and I've seen it over the last year, particularly it's spiked. I mean, in the UK here, depression is pretty much I think it's the third most common uh, complaint that people bring to the doctor's surgery. And that was before when we could go to doctor surgery. So it's, it's just skyrocketing. One of the things, the gospel is a culture of life. As Jesus says, we have life and we have it abundantly, but we also live in the reality that the world is fallen. Things are not in that way that they should be. And we are going to encounter things like this. As Christians, we're going to suffer with depression. We're going to suffer with all the things that inflict this world. So I don't think we can be passive and just say that, you know, oh, I'm a Christian. God needs to just deal with this in my life or I need to just increase my faith. Though I find those answers to be very damaging, in fact, and uh, not, not particularly helpful. I do think we need to remove the stigma. Depression is not a sin, as, as Christianity would call it. It's not a sign of a lack of faith or anything like that. There are many great Christians, people like Lewis and Spurgeon and Luther and Bunyan, Amy Carmichael, all these missionaries and great people. They all will record periods of great depression in their life. And you read this in the Psalms, too some of the the existential cries uh, that you read in the Psalms. Good steps that we can take. I think we need to be informed. Read what you can on the subject to help you understand what is actually happening. Uh, Find resources from Christian leaders who struggle with it themselves. That's always a very good way. Within the Christian church, I'd advise us to avoid a few misconceptions. The first, let's not assume that depression is purely a spiritual issue. Yes, you can go into a a time of spiritual depression, as Martin uh, Lloyd-Jones Put it, that may be related to sin in your life, that that can be, but we must not say that that is the the only thing that causes depression. Depression can be purely medical, but we don't want to assume that it's always purely medical. Do you see what I mean? We don't want to rest ourselves on the two extremes. There's definitely a middle. So we need to just be informed. We need to avoid misconceptions, uh, avoid cliches. If you're helping or talking with someone who's struggling with with this don't say things like you know just get over it or just pray more i know they're well meaning they often don't help from the people that i've spoken with we don't want to be too quick to judge we don't want to be like job's comforters and try and say well it's because you're doing this we we don't know the reasons and ultimately we can't see inside and know what's going on god does know this we can take comfort in that we don't want to trivialize the issue as a christian if you are struggling with depression you can use some of the means that god has provided Prayer and scripture and fellowship, encouragement, uh, listening and support of the body of Christ, praise and worship. And all these things actually do help uh, lift people up in times of need. It's also OK to seek medical advice and medication if the situation calls for it. Uh, don't be uh, made to feel guilty about that. Seek wise counsel. There are some very practical things you can do. And this is, I believe, a part of the conversation that's actually left out of this issue of depression. And I'll say this, quite frankly, we need to get off our phones and our screens. There's many studies now that, have, that are linking those things to a rise in uh, depression among young people. We're not getting enough exercise. That, there are, again, many studies that would prove that exercise helps you to stay active, to stay healthy, to beat depression. We need to get proper sleep. We need to eat healthily. They're very practical measures that you can actually take. So all of those things together, I would say, would be reasons to move forward with depression. But, I mean, I would come back again. Use what God has provided. The means of fellowship, the body of Christ, the encouragement of the saints, worship and praise are two of the most powerful things we have to raise our spirits when we're low. And I understand that severe depression is is not just being down. I understand it's more than that. But yet I would still say God has given you these things to use. And don't judge yourself. Don't feel guilty about what you're going through. God knows. God understands. He sees your heart and he will carry
1: you through. Thank you so much, Tommy. That was, I think, a really helpful and detailed answer. Thank you. So we've got another quite a big question. How can you be so confident that there is a God?
0: Well, yeah, that that is a big question. So I wasn't always a Christian. Go back into my 2020, I was far, far, far from a Christian. I was quite a heavy drug user and I did a number of uh, different things that I won't go into now. I come from a family of six. This is gonna be a little bit of personal testimony and you'll see where I'm going with this in a moment. And over a period of about 10 years, I saw my dad was a scientist. He was an atheist. He was a materialist, strict materialist. I have two sisters and an older brother. And I witnessed all of them come to believe in Jesus Christ over a period of about 10 years. I was the last one in my family. I saw the change in their lives. I saw the things they were wrestling with. My dad was such a hard nosed materialist. He had to get run over and almost killed before he was willing to confront these issues. Uh, by this time, my mum was already saved. My brother was saved. I was the last one because I was doing things that I wanted to do in my life. What they did, though, is I, I, so I got to watch this. I, I got to see the change in their lives and in their house, and it wasn't because of some religious system. This was more than that. I could tell it was more than that. They were now they were reading their Bible. They were studying. The environment in the house changed. The persona in the house changed. The material, everything just changed, and it wasn't a bad change. It was good. It was interesting to watch from the sidelines. They started leaving things around for me to read, engaging me in conversation and gently challenging me to just consider the truth claims of Christianity. And over a long period of time, I I was like, yeah, you know what, I'll get to that at some point. But right now... Now, I'm, I'm happy doing my own thing. However, as I sort of spiralled uh, in certain areas of my life, I, I started thinking about these things. I, I'd read some of the pamphlets that they'd left me and some of the books and things like that. And I was starting this process of investigation. And I would say this looking back on it, the Lord was working in me. And there were a number of things that really made me make that jump. Uh, and some of them were to do with truth claims in Christianity. I was looking at the the different worldviews and comparing them to the best explanation of reality why do we have anything at all what best explains the universe what best explains reality uh, did jesus really live and do we have any historical records corroborating him one of the main things was actually what we call uh, fulfilled prophecy in the bible and when you when you read the gospels you'll find jesus as he was trying to prove to the nation of israel who he was he would often uh, make references to the writings of the old testament that were prophecies and there are so many of these and they're so uh, distinct they actually predict almost the whole of world history there's an entire nation whose history is mapped out in advance in the scriptures you have all these prophecies about the messiah when he would come the the almost the the exact time frame it would be before the temple was destroyed where he was going to be born and when you go through all of these and they just build up on top of each other one after the other It actually ends up becoming quite a job to continually explain them away. Now, I understand people can do that, but I believe if you're honest and open and seeking these things and we don't have any presuppositions that are maybe causing us to lean one way in the other, which I honestly didn't at that time. I was just willing to go to have a read and see what happens. These things become quite compelling. And then, if you branch out and you look at all the the cumulative case for God that is given through all the philosophical arguments, you know the cosmological argument, we have the moral argument, we have the argument from beauty, and when well, all of these things, you may say, well, on their own, I know people differ, and there's all these different debates going on. But as I was going through my process of investigation, I, I, I found everything I kept trying to do was this cumulative case that screaming at me, "This is true. This is true." And eventually. I got to the point where i needed to make a decision and this is the same point that many people have reached in their lives and just like i was talking about with c.s lewis and I, i affirmed that the truth claims i was reading about were in fact true and from that moment my life changed dramatically now i know that you might say well that's just subjective to you people have obviously had experiences like that in different religions That's fine. However, what I would say is is what I've studied in other religions, there is nothing quite like what you find in Christianity. There is no one in any other religion exactly like Jesus Christ. No one who's done what he has done, made the claims that he made, lived the life that he lived and fulfilled the predictions that he did. And it had to be done before the year 70 A.D. When we read the book of Isaiah, God says that he's going to tell us things that happen in advance in the Old Testament, so 500, 600 years before Christ, he's going to tell us these things that will happen in advance, so that when we see them take place, we will know that he is God. And for me, that was a very compelling argument, and Jesus used this argument all the time in the scriptures. And obviously, since then, having been a Christian since my mid-20s, I've seen many things that have corroborated this throughout the years, and obviously, I've gone into academic study, and it's, it's just been a continual journey like that. There's so much more we could say on that, but I hope that just gives you a, a little bit of, un, of understanding where I'm coming from. Yeah,
1: that's great, thank you so much. So another question, how do we reconcile the purpose and identity we have in God and his will with the worldly secular view of purpose and success?
0: I mean, it, to a certain degree, I, I'd say maybe don't try and reconcile those two things. That, that will actually be where you may, you may end up getting in trouble because ultimately they are very different let's just say the secular worldview, a worldview that is not theistic in that sense, like the main culture that we, meet, we we are living in today. People are not thinking about spiritual things. They're not thinking about their destiny in the same way. That's changed a bit this last year, maybe. But to try and reconcile them will actually get you in problems. One of the things that Jesus says, when you become a Christian, you pick up your cross and you follow him. Your life is now his. The, actual, the expression is that you are actually a bought person. You are a blood-bought person. Now, what that means is that the cross was given to us as the ultimate demonstration of God's love for us. That's what it says. God demonstrated his love that while even people who didn't like him and hated him, he was willing to die for them. And that's forever that demonstration. And that's one of the most written about events in history, antiquity, anyway, antiquity history. But we we have so many sources talking about the cross. I'm not talking about theological sources from the Bible. Not that I discount them. They are our primary witnesses. However, when we put all these things together together, We are said to be a new creation. I mentioned it in the talk briefly. We are said to be ambassadors for God's kingdoms. It says elsewhere in the Bible that we are citizens of another kingdom. And we live here on this earth as ambassadors. That means that we are to represent the values of the kingdom. We are to represent the mission of the kingdom. And ultimately, we are to represent the king. Now, therefore, if we are trying to reconcile that with, let's call this another kingdom. It does elsewhere in the Bible call it another kingdom in some respects, it says light and darkness we're not going to do our job as an ambassador properly. That's not to say everything obviously is bad. God created this world and he will redeem it completely one day. There's many good things that we can do and be involved in. I'm not saying we we move away and live in a monastery. I'm actually saying we do the exact opposite, but we take the principles of the kingdom out into the secular world and we influence the secular world as much as we can for Christ. When the Bible says that Christians are to be salt and light, that's exactly what it's talking about. The light illuminates the darkness. It exposes the half truths and the lies. Salt was a preservative. It prevents the moral decay. And obviously that is the purpose of the church. Now I know many people will immediately point to failings. And yes, that is absolutely true. That is true. We, we all live in this fallen world and this is going to be imperfect until the time that the actual kingdom comes in that respect. But yeah, I, I wouldn't try and reconcile them. I would try and live in them as an ambassador. That's a better way to think about it. And I think you'll get into less trouble if you think like that. And i just, I just add, that's not to say that God might not call you to be an ambassador as the, the head of a multinational company. He might call you to be an ambassador in a science laboratory. You know, there's all these different fields that we have given over to secular, but I, I don't really like the secular sacred distinction. I, I would more say that we are all living on on this earth we are ambassadors, we're citizens of a different kingdom, yet we are told to love and beg and, and do all these things in this world and we can do them for the honour and glory of God.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. So another question, how should we answer friends who are interested in becoming a Christian but ask whether they can keep living their lives in the same way?
0: <laughs> I, I feel for people who are asking those questions because it, it almost implies that they they're kind of open to the idea, they they might be thinking about it, but they're just not ready to let go yet. And I I appreciate this, because that's exactly where I was. I'd seen my whole family converted. I'd actually read a lot of the Bible, it seemed to be very compelling, I'd seen some truth claims. But at that time, I loved doing the things that I was doing too much. I just loved it too much. I was having fun, and I didn't want to let it go. So I kept saying, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that later. Thankfully, the Lord was gracious to me. And he, he kept me, and, and I did have a chance to address those issues. But ultimately, we don't want to present Christianity to people the wrong way around. And what I mean by that is we don't want to say to them, you reach this level of moral behavior, for example, or you stop doing this, this, and this, start doing this, this, and this, and then you can make a decision for Christ. Then you'll be allowed in, because that's just utterly opposite Of what the gospel is saying, because the transformation can only come after Christ comes into your life and he makes you that new creation, you see. Now, yes, it's true that we have to confess our brokenness and our condition to become a Christian. But after that, you'll actually find some of these things that you were worried about giving up before you knew the power of God in your life fade into the background, and they're no longer the big issues that you thought they were. I had this, just to give you another personal example. I used to listen to a certain type of music. I loved it, but full of profanity. And for me, it was associated with drug use. Now, I was worried. I didn't want to give up that music. I loved it. However, as other things came into my, my life, and I started to realize when I did become a Christian, it just disappeared from my life. I stopped listening to it. And it, it wasn't also something I was in trying to do. It was just something that the Lord did, you see, because part of becoming a new citizen of a new kingdom or a new creation, as the Bible calls it, is that you are given different desires, different wills. And that just happens. It's that supernatural element. And it's self-authenticating to you by the Holy Spirit. And it's in a way, it's a wonderful thing. So yes, you may struggle with things, so I'm not, don't misunderstand me. But don't be worried about giving up the past because what you're giving up cannot be compared to what you will gain that's what i say
1: yeah thank you so much so i think we've got time for one last question So the question i've got here is if someone wanted to look further into this what would you recommend
0: into the subject of human essay uh, i'm not going to plug my own book but i would say my own book uh, deals with some of these topics but obviously i would read the gospel of john primarily I would look at the claims of Jesus Christ. Uh, There are many good churches that run courses like Christianity Explored and Christian unions often do things that answer these sorts of questions. All of these things are good. If you know any churches in your life that are doing this, I'd say be careful if you're just planning on going on YouTube and Googling these questions. It's a bit of a minefield to get good stuff. But there are many good institutions that, that are offering good courses. But primarily, if you are seeking proper answers to this question, just be honest about it. I would say read your Bible, get some classic books from the Christian Union. I can probably recommend two or three to you and and just have at it. Just read, just go for it. And you know God does say, if you seek me, you will find me. And uh, I believe that's true. Now, It may be that some people... Hear the truth claims, and they reject them for reasons like that previous question. They're just not ready to give up uh, certain things in their life. But if you're looking for truth, I believe you you will find truth. Jesus says, "Ask, knock, and and it will be answered." I'd always point people to the Bible primarily, but there are, like I say, there are many other good books that that you can look at. Go to a Christian bookstore or for your church.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I think the Gospel of John is always a good place to start. So yeah, just once again, thank you so much, Thomas. Thanks for your talk and uh, for answering our questions. That was really great. No problem.
0: Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for coming along. Hope you really enjoyed it. And so that concludes our last Oxford Big Questions for the term, but we will be back in Trinity. So yeah, get excited for that. So if this talk has got you thinking and you're wondering about more big answers to the big questions of life, then you might fancy coming along to that. So do check out the known Facebook page um, for more information. And yeah, thank you so much, Thomas. And thank you everyone for coming along, for
0: listening. You've been listening to Theology and Apologetics. This podcast is supported by your generous donations. To help us continue to bring you great content, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash theologyandapologetics. If you've been blessed by this podcast, please leave us a review and remember to connect with us on social media. For more resources, please go to theologyandapologetics.com. Thanks for listening.